Well, good morning, everyone, and I'd like to uh, also welcome any that were at the uh, food truck festival the other night. We had a great turnout with uh, six to 700 people, and if you're uh, watching online, we want to welcome you as well. Uh, before I start with the message today, I just want to tell a little story about a minister. This minister and his wife lived in a house in a community, had a dog, uh, had a couple chickens running around the yard and lived a pretty normal minister's life. And the minister found out that his wife had bought this tiny little locking refrigerator, and she put it under the bed. And he was kind of curious when he saw it, and he, he asked his wife about it, and she said, don't you dare ever open that refrigerator. I have the key you don't know where it is, you can never know what's inside of it. So anyway, this went on for some months and maybe even a few years. And one day she was running out to the grocery store and she's getting ready and she dropped the key to the refrigerator by the bed. And even though he promised he would never look in there, curiosity got him. And he took the key and he opened this little refrigerator. And when he lifted the lid, he saw two eggs inside the fridge and $1,000 in cash. So anyway, all of a sudden, the car's come up the driveway. He hears the car close. He's trying to get everything, and he gets caught red-handed with the fridge open. So he said, honey, I'm, I'm sorry I broke my promise. I was just so curious. Um, what are the eggs for? She said, well, every time you tell a bad sermon, I put an egg in the refrigerator. He thought, man, I've been preaching for like 25 years. That's not bad. He said, but what's the $1,000 for? Well, every time I get a dozen eggs, I sell them. <laughs> and now you know the story of Dennis and Kathy. <laughs> All righty. Uh, I have a reputation to uphold, so I always like to start wherever I am with, uh, with a little story. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then I'll get started with the message. Lord, thank you for this day. I want to thank you for the praise team, the wonderful job they did with the music and preparing our hearts for the sermon. Lord, I pray that you'll speak through me, through your Holy Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. I have the privilege the next two weeks of doing a two-part sermon on biblical prophecy. And I have two books in the Bible that I particularly love. Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, and I've done some extensive teaching in Genesis on the past, and then the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. So you have the first and you have the last, and they're my, they're my two favorite. It's interesting to note that before sin, after God created Adam and Eve, he fellowshiped with them in the Garden of Eden. And then man sinned, and that broke the fellowship with God. But at the very end, in the book of Revelation, as you heard sung in the song this morning, we are going to once again fellowship with God without the presence of sin. That's, what our, that's one of our hopes. I have a lot to cover in two weeks, and it's virtually impossible to talk about biblical prophecy and to do it in two sermons. So I will move fairly quickly and I'm going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians, Matthew 24, and a book of Revelation in the next two weeks. I have uh, studied books on prophecy. I've watched uh, shows with uh, prophecy ministers, people like Jack Van Impey, uh, Tim LaHaye, Hal Lindsey, 
Perry Stone. There are many others out there that are experts in biblical prophecy. So those are the kind of things that, that have helped me in preparing um, for the service today. We're going to start in the book of Matthew, and I'm going to read, bear with me, there are a lot of verses here, I'm going to read and I'll stop at some different points and talk about some things. In Matthew 24, 3, this is, uh, I believe, the King James Version I'm reading from, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming, the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Some of you who are a little bit older, you remember Reverend Sung Young Moon, who claimed that he was Jesus, and he had a group we called him the Moonies, that were trying to evangelize, and Reverend Moon died a death, and he was never resurrected. Obviously, he was not the Savior. Jim Jones had a cult in California, and he moved down to South America, and when people came on to him, he ended up having all the people commit suicide by drinking Kool-Aid laced with poison, and a congressman was killed as they went down there to investigate. These are false messiahs. These are just two of many, many examples of people who have claimed to be Christ. Next verse, and you will hear of wars, and I'm going to mention a few that have happened in the last hundred years or so. World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Six-Day War in the Middle East, Desert Storm in Iraq, Afghanistan, Serbia, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and the list goes on and on. There are many smaller skirmishes around the world. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And here are some rumors of wars. Maybe China getting involved in an attack on Taiwan, maybe them joining with Russia, North Korea making constant threats, shooting missiles over Japan. We have uh, the Middle East, which is a powder keg. Uh, Israel is under constant attacks on a daily basis. You don't hear about it in the news. They shoot rockets, and uh, Israel has an anti-missile system set up that shoots these things down almost on a daily basis. They shoot... Um, flaming um, weapons into the wheat fields to burn them. Israel's under constant attack and constant threat, and the Middle East is a powder keg, and there have been some, some wars there too. So you'll hear of wars, and you'll hear of rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. And it's very obvious that many of these things are occurring right before our eyes today, these signs. <clears throat> then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawless, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And I want to tell you, we see lawlessness in this country right now and around the world. And we see hatred. 
and we see people that don't love anymore. These things are happening. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. I do want to make mention that there is a worldwide persecution of Christians going on right now, especially in China, in North Korea, and in the Muslim countries, the Middle East, and there are some Christian nations in Africa now that have been attacked by Muslims and they've caused civil wars and everything else. And then there's a persecution now of Christians in Canada and the United States of America that you would not have seen 50, 100 years ago. And they're trying to silence us. And uh, people have lost jobs because they've spoken out in the name of Christ. This is happening in our world today. The Great Tribulation. For then there will be a great tribulation such as never been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall it be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And by the way, when the Bible talks about the elect, it is talking about the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. They're God's chosen people. The coming of the Son of Man. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. <clears throat> no one knows the day or the hour. But that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking... Marrying, given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know that the flood came until it took them all away. So also it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come in, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you are to be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And I have a question for you. Isn't it amazing that a Jewish carpenter that lived 2,000 years ago in the country of Israel all of his life, except for that brief moment in his childhood where him and his parents had to flee to Egypt because Herod was killing all the male children, so that this king would not uh, be alive. And he made all these predictions 2,000 years ago. How is that possible unless he was the son of God? I'm going to see a little video now.
That's, uh, if you've never watched that video again, when they're in a church and the people disappear, that's uh, pretty startling. But that's pretty much how it's going to happen. Now, what you heard about in the book of Matthew and what you saw in this video are the signs that point to Christ's return. They've been fulfilled, and we need to follow, and we need to live for Christ so that we're ready. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, make this a strong consideration this morning so that you can be raptured with the church. Now, I want to talk a little bit about when the rapture may occur. The book of 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13 to 18, and 1 Corinthians 5, 15 to 54, back the video. So we'll take a look at 1 Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. The rest of mankind who have no hope are those who don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is our future hope, folks. This is our future hope. 1 Corinthians 15. Fifty-one to fifty-four. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we, the living, shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on immortality. So, when the Christians from around the world disappear, hundreds and hundreds of millions from around the world, how are they going to explain the disappearance? Well, I believe that the best theory is that it's going to be an alien abduction. And what they're going to probably say is this. You know those Christians? They were a hateful people. They believed in the sanctity of life. They thought it was wrong to abort the unborn. They believed that marriage was only between a man and a woman. How old-fashioned they were. They believed that God only created two sexes, not 20 or 30 or 50. They're just a hateful, out-of-touch people. So these higher beings that are much more intelligent than mankind have come, and they've removed them from the earth. And what I've done is I've... Uh, compiled a partial list of shows that are currently on TV that deal with aliens. So, if you look on the screen, The Secret Space UFO, The Rise of the TR-3B, Alien Abductions, now on Fox Nation, On a Trail of UFOs, Dark Sky and Night Visitors, Ancient Aliens, 
Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigations, Alien Chronicles, Military UFO Encounters, UFO Witness, UFO Encounters, A News Flash, All-Time High Sightings, Every Eight Seconds Someone Sees Something Unusual in the Sky. And I also want to make mention of this. There was um, a headline on May 17th at 8.44 in the morning on Fox, Take Me to Your Leaders. And then there was an announcement that Congress was going to hold its first public hearings on UFOs in 50 years, probe the national security threat, and of course we now have a space force in place. So these are just a number of examples of how the world, for the last, ever since Roswell in 1947, the world is being conditioned to believe in aliens, to believe that they're smarter than us, and they're going to come and take a large group of people that have bad karma off the face of the earth. Now, when will this rapture occur? Will it occur before the tribulation period starts? Will it occur during the middle of the tribulation? Will it occur at the end of the tribulation? At Grace Church, we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Listen carefully, and I want you to think about this evidence that we've watched and that we've uh, read from the Scripture. If the rapture were to occur at the end of the tribulation, why would believers and the dead in Christ need to rise to meet the Lord in the air, as 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians testify to, when, Christ, when the Scripture talks about Christ returning to earth physically, we're going to go up in the air so we can come right back down? doesn't make sense to me. From Matthew, we find out that there are two people together, and one is taken and one is left behind. Once again, if Christ is returning to the earth, that doesn't have to happen. He is rapturing the church before the tribulation period. The book of Matthew 24:31, which we read, the angels will be gathering the elect from the four winds of the earth, once again, this refers to a rapture that occurs when the church is brought up before the tribulation period begins. Revelation does not mention the church after chapter 3. So we believe that somewhere between the end of chapter 3 and chapter 4, verse 1, that the church is raptured up before the tribulation begins and the great trial that's going to occur is going to be on the elect, which is Israel. Because Israel has rejected Christ as the Savior. And they're going to be the focal point of this great trial. The Philadelphia church that Elder James Schaefer mentioned in a sermon about a month and a half ago was told that they would be spared from the hour of trial that was coming upon this earth. And I believe that biblical churches that love Christ and preach the gospel are representatives of the Philadelphia church. We also have the example that when God told Noah to build the ark, which took him 100 plus years to build, and he preached and he was ridiculed and he tried to warn the world the judgment that was coming and they mocked and ridiculed him. God had Noah put in the ark with his family and of course two of all the animals and seven of the clean animals and they went on the ark and then he sealed that door and the world was judged and Noah, a righteous godly man, was spared that trial. Also, even Lot, who was a righteous man living in the wicked city of Sodom and Gomorrah, 
Him and his family were spared when God hailed down all the fire and brimstone to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness. So I believe that we have the examples from Scripture that clearly point we'll be raptured up and spared that hour of trial that is going to come. I'm going to end today's sermon with a little introduction into the book of uh, Revelation. We're also going to see another little uplifting video clip uh, at the end. But let's talk a little bit about Revelation. It comes, the word revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypsis. Try that again, apocalypsis, which means an uncovering or unveiling. And you may have heard that revelation is referred to as apocalypse because of this root word. Revelation is the last book in the Bible, completes the Bible, 66 books. It's the final work of the New Testament. It details world history from the time of John, who wrote the book of Revelation under the inspiration of Christ, to the onset of eternity. It reveals future facts and events, and it's basically history written in advance. It sounds kind of weird, but it's telling us what is going to happen. And this book can take weeks, months. I think even Pastor Thornley did a one-year-plus Bible study on the book of Revelation many years ago. And so for me to come up here and to end the last 10 minutes with an introduction and then go through it next week, it's, it's kind of an impossible task. So obviously I'm going to try to highlight important things. John was perhaps the closest disciple to Jesus, the disciple that Jesus loved. While the other disciples were killed and crucified for their faith, John was not. He was taken to the island of Patmos where he was exiled. And on the island of Patmos, when he was a very old man, Christ visited him and gave him the vision. And he was commanded by his Savior to record the vision for the end times. And that vision is the book of Revelation. Chapters 2 and 3, uh, Elder James referenced these once again a few months back in his sermon. John introduces the seven ancient churches that have characteristics of all the modern churches today. These churches were located in Asia Minor, which is now the modern country of Turkey. And that country now is like 98% Muslim. Satan has been attacking all the places around the world that were once Christian strongholds. He tries to eradicate the Christian faith through war and intimidation. However, the gospel is still going forward all throughout the world despite Satan's best efforts. The warning signs given to the churches in these seven, in the reference to the seven churches, is to stay firm in the faith, to stay away from heresies and false teachings, to stay away from the practice of immorality and to love Christ. And those warning signs apply to all the churches today. A number of years ago, in studying prophecy, I wrote a song about the tribulation. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'm going to put it on a screen, and I'm going to recite it to you. I wrote this back in the 1980s. 
The trumpet will sound and the final battle will begin. The prince of darkness will unleash all of his mighty sin. But first, the dead in Christ will all arise, and we who remain will be caught up with him in the skies. In the twinkling of an eye, you'll hear a loud sigh in a sweet by and by. And our loud sigh is that we're being rescued from the tribulation, and we're going to spend eternity with Christ. And next, the tribulation will set in. The whole world will fall under the control of Satan. And those who are left will have to receive his mark. And from then on, all the world will live in the dark. There will be crying. There will be dying under his lying because he is a liar. He's going to claim that he is the Messiah, and he's not. The whole world will be longing for peace. Their blindness will cause them to follow the beast. Death, pestilence, and famine will be very near. Men will want to die. They will live in constant fear. Watch the great deceiver. Evil he'll deliver. People will shiver. Finally, all eyes will look to the Middle East. Christ and his forces will conquer the foul beast. The pit will be open and a great dragon cast in. And the Prince of Peace will sit on his throne again. For the one who perseveres, there will be no more tears. Christ will reign a thousand years. And of course, there's going to be the permanent reign after that. But that's going to lead us to the millennial period. And what I want to end with before the song is, you've seen a video, you've read these scriptures, you've heard the message. Ask yourself this question. Are you a Christian? Have you ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ? If you've not done so, it's very, very simple prayer. What you simply do is say, God, I'm a sinner. I've messed up in life. I've done things that I'm ashamed of. Please forgive my sins. And Jesus, please come into my life. It is that simple. You say that prayer, you're guaranteed eternity in heaven. And if the rapture were to occur today, you'll go up with the church and you'll avoid the tribulation. If you would like to talk a little further about this, if you're a little unsure, after Dennis Fay comes forward and closes his service, our elders will be up here to pray with you. So feel free. We're... I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to watch a video. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the warnings that you're giving us. Lord, if there, aren't, if there are people in this audience that aren't believers yet, I want to pray that they will accept Christ this very hour. And Lord, for those of us who are believers, that we will spread the gospel so that people will be saved and spared this tribulation. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.